and welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. Um, do I look dehydrated and poorly rested? Fantastic! It's because I uh, I just got back from Vegas. I went and saw the Vegas Grand Prix, Formula One, and uh, it was a phenomenal success. Very interesting race because everyone thought it was going to fail, that the American market was oversaturated because of the Netflix series Drive to Survive, which is all about Formula One. And uh, it's been on for, what, four seasons now? And people have become hooked on the sport. It's because the docuseries is really well produced. It takes you into the sport, but it also takes you into the drama and uh, the the car companies that that have cars in the sport and the drivers and the rivalries and the intensity and the drama and the money that goes in to, you know, not only viewing a sport like this, but putting on events and the people who work behind the scenes and how cars are made and the restrictions on engines and, and various parts that go into making a car that can go over 200 miles per hour around uh, really interesting, fun tracks. So I'm one of those people that started watching Formula One because of the series. And, you know, you start to develop favorites and you get really into the races and the standings. And, you know, for Seven years in a row, Lewis Hamilton, he was the champion. And uh, everyone thought that he was going to beat Michael Schumacher's record and and be an eight-time world champion. And uh, he didn't do it because Max Verstappen, who is the, the flying Dutchman who drives for Red Bull, Max Verstappen has won the last three championships, including this year, which he won pretty early, and he's won like 18 races in a row. It's something unprecedented and wild. And there are people who say that Formula One wasn't going to work in Vegas because it's oversaturated and because they were racing on the Vegas Strip, that it would be impossible to get around and it would be an infrastructural nightmare. That was number one. And a bunch of other people say Max Verstappen being so dominant has made the sport incredibly boring. That is not true. So in Vegas, you could feel the excitement. Everyone lands trying to get glimpses of the track during the day, but it was at night when it really shone. And so we got to the track on Thursday night for practice, not even qualifying, just, just practice. Talk about practice. So, yes, we were talking about practice. We wanted to see these cars in action. It lasted for eight minutes. And then Carlos Sainz, one of the Ferrari drivers, number 55, I love the Ferraris, um, he hit a water hole cover and damaged his car. So uh, he had basically engine failure and stopped. They had to clean that up. He told them what happened. So here's a little behind-the-scenes dirt. I know through one of my sources, that one of the safety crew who was working that turn had warned their superiors that there was, in fact, a loose cover that could be detrimental to the race, to practice, and his warning went unheeded. And so Carlos Sainz, of course, hits that very cover, damages his car, gets a 10-place penalty for 
swapping out too much of his car that was damaged, which I thought was very unfair, but what the hell do I know? Um, so practice was suspended after nine minutes. They didn't start practicing again until around two in the morning. Practice went until four in the morning, but they kicked people out of the grandstands at 1.30. So now a bunch of people have filed a class action suit against F1 and against the organizers because they said that they were denied what they were promised because some people bought tickets just for Thursday night practice, which is obviously a much more reasonable ticket uh, for spectators in lower income brackets than, you know, getting a three-day pass to the ex- entire extravaganza. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. So the naysayers who said it wouldn't work in Vegas pointed to this and said, see, told you so. Uh, the track was shoddily put together. It's a lame city to have it in. They were all wrong. The track was incredible. Cars were able to overtake each other. They were, the drivers were shifting spots throughout the race. Max Verstappen got a five-second penalty for overtaking Charles Leclerc in turn one and sent Leclerc off course. And so Verstappen had a five-second penalty. There were all sorts of safety car issues and debris. And so drivers were able to pit and put on new tires Um, There was a lot of talk before the race. Was it going to be two pit stops or one? And there was so much drama. There were were so many changes in place throughout the race that you take away the boobs and the hookers and the money and the celebrities and the spectacle. And if you just watch the race, it was so exciting. And that's what was so great because when you are in – a paddock, which is essentially the the VIP area above the garages at a Formula One race, uh, in any city, it is populated by well-heeled either clients who work for companies that sponsor the F1 teams or just really rich people who bought access. Uh, but this time, you had paddocks which were you know three times the size that they normally accommodate at these races. And you had a lot of celebrities and a lot of people who have access to big events like this. And so the worry is that because it's such a spectacle, they're not going to pay attention to the race. Everybody was into the race. Everybody that was in the paddock where we were viewing, they were glued to the track. And a lot of people were inside watching because they wanted to hear uh, the broadcasters. They they wanted to hear the play-by-play and see exactly what was going on. It's harder when you're in a fixed position on a street course to really get a sense of how the race is going. So people are going back and forth you know, trying to, uh, especially during, you know, from laps 11 to 14, like really trying to peer over. It's a 50 lap race and, and see who was pitting and, and see if they could get a glimpse of their favorite drivers and their favorite teams as they zip down the, the pit lane and people were able to do that. But then they would go back inside and, uh, you know, watch with bated breath this incredible play by play. And for much of the race, Charles Leclerc, he was, uh, He was in first, and so people thought that he was going to win. Lando Norris was out. He had a pretty bad crash and had to go to the hospital. Um, Oscar Piastri pitted late for some reason. He didn't do as well. Pierre Gasly was doing really well for a while. Um, So it was Sergio Perez, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen kind of jockeying and overtaking each other for the lead. I'm going to spoil the ending. Max Verstappen won 
again. But every time someone new either overtook or took the lead, the grandstands just went nuts. And there were people there who are fans of the sport. A lot of us got into it through Netflix. But then once they got there, they got such a phenomenal race. So here was the big worry that there was going to be so much traffic and the race would be so prohibitive because, you know, this three plus mile course takes up so much of the city and so much of the strip. There were people like, you're not going to be able to do it. You won't have buses being able to access the lots. They did such an incredible job of circumventing the track and getting people to where they needed to be. And, you know, we were told at one race, I believe it was Miami, that people were dropped off a mile before the paddock. So no matter what kind of shoes you were wearing, no matter what kind of tickets you had, you had to walk at least a mile to get where you were going. That was not the case in Vegas. And I will tell you why. And I will tell you what separates Vegas from other cities that have Formula One races. They want people to go back and gamble. That is how Las Vegas is set up. So you have incentive from all these different elements, all these different organizations and casinos and the Chamber of Commerce sort of lording over everything, making sure that they get people from the race at the end back to their hotel as quickly as possible so they still have wind left in their sails so they can reach in their pockets and gamble all night long and have a comprehensive Vegas experience. And it absolutely delivered Every metric, every measure of this race, other than the bobble and practice Thursday night, it was a success. It was so impressive. It was big. It was over the top. But all in all, yes, very emotional, a fantastic race. So I hope you got to watch it on TV if you're a fan. And I hope you go next year and experience it for yourself. I think the city itself internalized a lot of lessons. They priced things way too high in the beginning. Uh, but they, I, I believe, are very much able to overcome that, figure it out. So next year, they have a great starting point. And I had heard from a member of the Chamber of Commerce that they signed a 10-year deal. So... This race is going to go on for a while, and rightly so. Vegas is set up for big events, and uh, this sure as hell was one of the sexiest things that I have ever seen in person. Um, and I hope at some point, if you're an F1 fan, you go to a race. I went to Monza earlier this year with my sexy boyfriend who took me as a surprise for my birthday, and seeing this sport live in person, it really changed the way I view it as a fan. And it makes you feel like you are a part of it, a truly international sport where people come together and, you know, they, they root for different teams, uh, but they're all excited when there's a lot of action and these drivers execute such a brilliant race. So... That's a checker flag, baby. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.